T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. That's going to propel us forward as we try to get civil justice, as we try to do things that the prosecution can't do. And it is something for me that is uh, incredibly inspiring. And I take that all that more serious. Two other things, just brief comments. I don't know if you caught it or not, but in between the feeble words of his apology, he expressed to everyone, the entire nation, how he was influenced by social media, influenced by the internet, influenced by the online digital platforms, who we have in our sights now as we prepare our civil litigation. So that's, uh, that to me was a very important matter. The second thing is, when you hear these families speak about their loved ones, about the loved ones who were young or the loved ones who were old, it says to me that we've got to get more vigilant with respect to the Grieving Families Act. You heard how these people that spoke today so eloquently about how they've been devalued their entire lives. Well, our current wrongful death legislation devalues them even more. We need that new legislation to be passed. It should be a priority for our governor. And we're going to bring it to that question right to her and ask that question. And finally, for me, the other observation, <clears throat> Judge Egan did not have to say what she said. She could have imposed that sentence without saying any word, without giving any social commentary. But she went deep into the problem that's at the root of our society. She talked openly about white supremacism, about racism, about a history that we all know and you all lived. And I thought it was incredible. I ordered a transcript of those proceedings, and I'm anxious to get a copy of it, and I can share it with whomever wants it. But uh, Aviella and Ben. Hi, good afternoon. Uh, my name is Aviel Dawkins, one of the attorneys representing the families. Um, I want to really echo um, what Terry said in the importance of the New York Grievings Families Act. Um, though our clients are relieved that there is a small measure of, of um, closure here today. Sorry, it's, it's a very emotional um, day today, and I am honored to be able to stand here with you all and support you through this. Um, but your lives have forever been changed by the evil and senseless death of your loved ones. And 
The emotional trauma that our clients have endured is the very reason that Governor Holchul needs to quickly sign into action a new version of the Grieving Families Act. Every day that passes without this legislation means that our clients do not get full justice. And so I, we implore Governor Holchul and the New York State Legislature in their capacity um, to make this a priority and to, as you're re representing the citizens of the state of New York, to make sure you pass a new version of the Grieving Families Act. Thank you. Um, today was very painful, but it was necessary. It was necessary because to many people in America, they've swept this matter under the rug. Sad to say, because there have been other mass shootings. And so it was necessary that these families remind everybody that this was real. And that even though other people can try to turn the page, they would never be able to turn the page. I, I think it's so important when you think about how they refuse to be marginalized. I was talking to Attorney Connors, Attorney Dobbins, and uh, Cliff Jones, and when the Massey family talked so passionately about what this devil had done to their family and how she talked about that they can't sleep at night thinking about the last moments of their loved one's life and then obviously everybody's talking about how her brother was overcome and lunged at the young white supremacist because it is emotional. Mm -hmm. and, and and nobody needs to pass judgment on him because until that was your mother or your father or loved one, don't say what you would have done being so close to the executioner of your family member. And, and so I even think about the, the young man who punched a hole in the wall. You cannot imagine the hole in everybody's heart. And so today was painful, but it was necessary. So we just don't turn the page, sweep it under the rug as if their existence was irrelevant. Now, it was very relevant, their presence on this earth. And as both of my most able co-counselors alluded to, we need action from the New York governor so these families don't feel that their loved ones were executed in vain. We have to have legislation to match the empathy. Thoughts and prayers only go so far. At some point, we need legislation. And it can start here in New York. It needs to start here in New York. Thank you.
So when the families turn to me and they say to me, why didn't the Grieving Families Act pass? Why wasn't this legislation? Why are our young, our old, those who are in socioeconomic different categories, why are they different? Why are they different? It's not right. Why are our relatives being treated as though they're worthless when we know they are priceless? And that's a quote that I got right from one of our one of our families. So I mean, I think that's that says it all about what needs to be done with respect to this Grieving Families Act. But all of the people are here now. There are a lot of people who, uh, some who spoke eloquently, some who were available for their for the comments. If you have questions, we'd be happy to take those questions and answer them as best we could. Let's but do the questions at the end. Ted. Do the end. Yeah. Okay. Well, how about we bring one family up at a time if they have a family want to speak. Uh, we want to go with Whitfield first. Well, Zanetta is always good. She's uh, Raymond. Zanetta. Raymond. Raymond, you want to speak? We need somebody from the Whitfield Raymond. family, and we'll take a representative representatives from each family. Whatever's on your heart. Um, good afternoon. Um, just want to point out that, uh, and. Uh, want to just highlight, um, I don't know what to call it, the speech or the comments that Judge Egan gave um, it, as it pertains to the history of this country, the history of our people in this country. Um, and we talk about the Grieving Families Act and things like that. Um, there's a connection all the way back through slavery. The insurance company uh, was formed, the insurance industry was formed uh, to protect slave owners. Uh, from the losses they incurred, financial losses they might have incurred from uh, slaves who might have had the audacity to seek their freedom. That's yeah. where the insurance company came from. And so all the way to this present day, um, when we talk about redlining and all the other things that are part of the insurance industry, uh, to allow them uh, to continue to not value our loved ones' lives today, is all, it's all connected. And mm -hmm. it needs to change. Yeah, um, all of these things, none of these things are happen chance or by accident. It needs to change. We need to address all of the things that the judge talked about. I don't need to uh, reiterate what she said. I'm very thankful that she said what she did. As was said earlier, she didn't have to do it. And so our family stands here in unison with the other families and with all of those uh, who have mar been marginalized and criminalized in this country uh, demanding uh, change. The only thing that I would add to that is when you marginalize and try to put a value on someone's life and you say one life is more valuable than the other because of an occupation. Our mother was, she never had an occupation except to raise us as mm. decent human beings. She did that exceedingly well. And I know that the rest of these families are like our families. She was a senior citizen like many of these victims were. They are the glue that hold us together. Amen. She was still doing her job moments before her untimely death, taking care of her elderly husband, the love of her life, and looking after her many grandchildren, who were, many of them are with us here today. This had to be one of the most difficult things you can possibly go through. You know, when you go to your mama's funeral, you think that's the worst thing ever. And in many ways it was. But how about going to your mama's funeral, their mama's funeral, your uncle, the, you know, and the three-year-old son yeah. will never see his daddy again. 
stop putting value where you don't, if you don't understand value, <laughs> you can't put value on love. Okay. Wow. It's good to see you too, Zaya. The kid. The kid. The kid. <laughs> the miracle. Um, I too want to say thank you to Judge Egan for her words today. Um, it was very important um, for the world to hear those words. Um, that is one of the reasons why um, our lawyers and the families want to know exactly what was found in this investigation, right? Um, because if it gets buried with the case, then we don't fix the problems of this country. Mm, and so it's very important that what she said today is on record. Um, and it is also important that the world knows exactly what led up to May 14th and what the terrorists did. Mm -hmm. Right. We as a country need to hear that out loud. We need to see it. It needs to be a part of the history books. Mm -hmm. We cannot just act like it didn't happen. Zaire is standing here. Yes, he is a miracle, but his wounds are real. Right. What happened to him that day is real. Um, we lost 10 people that day. That's real. And so we have to make sure that our history reflects exactly what happened that day. Wow. You want to say anything, kid? You good? Okay. Thank you. Well, ironically, the defense lawyers, I don't know if you heard this or not, but the defense lawyers for Gendron said they support the release of the information to us, that they're in, they don't have any objection to it. That's something that it should give this momentum. It should give it some momentum to get, as Zanetta says, open up this, see what happened. We all know it didn't begin and end with the shooter. There is so much more that has to be, see, has to see the light of day. And, and I, I think what Zanetta said is so important. We're in the, the midst of Black History Month. And there are a lot of people in America who don't want to tell all the history. We got to make sure they tell every part of the history. Because if not, we may repeat the sins of the past. And I think when we look at this young white supremacist, hopefully we can teach people that this is wrong before they try to reenact it. Because if we don't teach history, you see these things repeat themselves. So I can't say enough, Zanetta, about how important it is that we understand this is a part of American history. We have to show all of it. The warts, the brutality, every part of it. Other than that, we can never advance as a society if we try to act like they didn't lynch and rape and murder our children. Because if we don't show that, you will see more episodes of what happened in Top Supermarket. So let this be part of 
the history that are taught to the young people as well of what white supremacy is. It's what Gendron did in that supermarket. That is white supremacy. They try to celebrate it and like it's something good, something noble. No, it's satanic and it's evil. Any of Garnell's ch uh, children, remarkable in their speech. If they're, they're welcome to, to make their point, this is something for the, you for the first time that you've seen, um, and you're, you're welcome to, to share any of your thoughts. Um, thank you, my beautiful baby sister. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would just reiterate the, the statement that I read was a collective statement. It was on behalf of every single one of her grandchildren. We had conference calls and Zoom calls and came together across multiple states to write that statement. Um, as powerful as it was, those were not just my words. And so I just want to reiterate that. Um, and so much has happened, it's been a long day. <laughs> um, I think that I would just reiterate some of what we said in the statement and, and other families have said as well. Um, I think some people want to put, you know, focus on this individual and say his name and make sure that visibility is there, but it's irrelevant. This person is entirely irrelevant as an individual in the history of this, and it's just one member and one reflection of this larger piece. Um, and I, I think the focus should be on the individuals that indoctrinated him because he was susceptible to it. Yes. And that's what we need to talk about, is that there are people who are being victimized by other people and indoctrinated by other people, Radical. and it really centers on their fear. Our identity as black people is strong. It always has been and it always will be, but a lot of identities of non-black people are not as strong, mm -hmm. right? Whiteness is very weak and it's very fearful, and that is what we are seeing right now, and there is a response to that fear that is happening, and that needs to be the conversation. We are not asking to be saved as black people any longer, as a community. We have individuals in powerful positions across this country and have had that for a long time. And our communities are still struggling. And we still see cities like Buffalo that don't have what they should have and predominantly black areas mm -hmm. that are not supported the way they should. And so those are the conversations I hope to have moving forward and not about this individual. Uh, and not about this in a, in a sort of vague way where we just focus on black pain. Um, so that's my hope and my goal. I just want to say that today's been rough, but I'm so grateful for my family. Um, I miss my grandmother. I miss her so much, but I'm grateful for Buffalo and the love and support that we've gotten. Um, <laughs> And, you know, just echoing what everybody is saying, we need action. You know, I appreciate the prayers and the, you know, the hugs, but we need action. We mm -hmm. need, this can't happen again. Something has to change. Amen. So, I'm just grateful. I can just say, your, your, your grandmother would be so proud of you today, both of you, for doing this. It isn't easy to do something like this, but she would be so proud. Thank you. Okay. Can you state your name? For everybody? Simone S I M O N E Crawley C R A W L E Y, 
and Sasha S A S H A. It's uh, Sasha S A S H A, last name C R A W L E Y. Happy to open it up, uh, unless. So today was a very, very emotionally riveting day. I think I probably got very little sleep last night, but I'm really grateful for the purpose. And one thing that stuck out with me that Judge Egan challenged us with is sometimes we have to look at those uncomfortable places. So many times when different societal ills come up, we only want to look at what we're comfortable with, but we have to be uncomfortable in order to provoke change. I have to say to Governor Hochul that the Grieving Families Act should never, ever be about socioeconomic standing, should never be about people's um, you know, money in the bank or what they have or don't have. It is so, um, so critical to be able to stand as an advocate for your family that's grieving, mm -hmm. to have to fight grief, and then on the other hand, account for why yeah. your loved one's blood that was shed is less important than the other. And I feel like statements that have been made regarding the Grieving Family Act is really indicative of um, a mindset that certain people are entitled and other people are not. We have to, as a society, talk about those uncomfortable things like classism. We have to talk about those uncomfortable things like the haves and the have nots. At the end of the day, there were 13 people who lost blood that day. 10 died and three were very um, amazingly blessed to live. But at the end of the day, when they bled, it was all the same color. We didn't take a poll for who had what. We didn't do any of that. And that is what we need to, you know, just, unpack over the next few fleeting days. I like what um, council said about, you know, the whole May 14th being a has-been afterthought. Yep. Yep. It happened, we're on to the next. I challenge the media. We have to keep these conversations in the public's view. We have to talk about these things. And then after we get done talking, start evoking change. I am really grateful to be an advocate or a voice for my families the young family and the morrison family but at the end of the day the grief does not start stop with a sentencing so you know let's just all be sensitive and and as i take my seat one thing that we can do is start with our circle where you work where you go to eat start talking about how you're gonna love different, how you're gonna show compassion different. How will you look at white supremacy? What can be your role in changing the scope of what has been to affect change for what can be better? Thank you. Yeah, I do wanna point out that I just got a text from uh, Kim Salter's attorney. And the, uh, the one word that the judge left out in describing Aaron Salter was hero. That should have been up front mm -hmm. because his conduct on that day was incredible, what he tried to do. And, uh, and she just told me to tell you that she wasn't able to come. She just couldn't take another hour of this. And those of you who saw her speak, you saw how she fought through it, but she was so nervous about this. So she is still feeling the, the trauma of these events. And, uh, 
feels it every day and it's not going to go away for a long time. But make no mistake about it, her husband is a true hero. Absolutely. Uh, we'll take any questions if you have any. Can you talk about the timeline at this point for civil action and how, if at all, the governor's failure to sign the Grieving Families Act has changed that timeline at all? Well, we're going to move expeditiously as possible trying to get this fa these families as much accountability as possible. I'm careful to not say justice. Justice would be their loved ones being with them, but have a full measure of accountability. I, I'm going to let uh, Attorney Connors talk about um, the actions of the political process that are occurring in New York. But I thought it was very important that the young white supremacist lawyers even said release the information so we can uh, have all the technical aspects to put in the civil lawsuit where we don't have to be guessing. We can see what is in the file. So Ryan, to answer your question, um, there's no doubt that the governor's failure to sign the Grieving Families Act slowed us down. We anticipated that it would be a favorable review. It passed both houses in our legislature. It was a bipartisan bill that went on the desk. So we were hopeful and expected it to be passed. So it slowed us down because there were certain aspects of that bill that we were going to incorporate in our civil litigation. But it may have slowed us down, but it hasn't deterred us a bit. The time that we're taking now is to put together the pieces of the other defendants. The, the, the gun industry is fairly easy. We know what we're going to do there. We want to look at the online digital platforms because even as the shooter said today, he was influenced by the Internet. He was influenced and he shouldn't have believed what he heard and what he saw. Well, I'm not giving credence to those words, but there's no doubt about it that he and others, countless others, are being influenced by these uh, chat rooms and by these digital platforms that just foment the hate. They just propagate it. They send it out. They get, make it acceptable to be able to listen to this and to share it. So that's what's going to slow us down a little bit, but, but we are going to be di diligent to pursue these cases. And, 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 I, and I just want to add to what um, Attorney Connor said. You know, we said from the beginning that even though the young white supremacist shot all these family members, loved ones, it were, it was a lot of people who loaded that gun. And we got to hold all of them accountable. I mean, that's why we needed that legislation to be signed, and that's why we need to make sure that we get all the information that's in the files because every last one of them who loaded that gun for that young white supremacist needs to be held accountable. How long can you wait to see if a different version of this will be passed and signed because this could be pushed off another year? Well, the statute of limitations on wrongful death cases is two years from the date of the conduct. So we could conceivably wait that long. We don't intend to wait that long. And if she doesn't pass it, we'll deal with the legislation as it is. We've done that for 40 years. So it's not a question of being put off indefinitely. Can you explain what the difference would be? Like if, if yeah. like how it is now sure. and 
So, so right now we have a wrongful death statute that's 175 years old. It's an anachronism. It was passed before the Civil War. It doesn't take into account any of the elements of the damages. What it says right now is that if someone kills your child or kills your grandparent, the only recovery you have is what was the financial contribution of that person to your life. That's nonsense. Of course it's the grief, it's the nurture, it's the loss of companionship. It's all of those things that, that mean so much to us as grandsons and, and as parents. And that's what would have changed. The law was tailored now to come into the modern concept where 48 other states, I think yeah. there's only three or four states that have yeah. uh, these backward wrongful death statutes. New York should be at the forefront, not at the tail end. You would think. Yeah. I mean, you would think. Uh, Yes, ma'am. Yeah, you mentioned the release of records and how important that is to you for um, the civil suit. Uh, but you also mentioned the importance of that for history books and for people to learn from it as well. Can you talk about all of the avenues you'd like to see this information disseminated once you're able to receive it and how you plan to go about that? No question. Yeah, go ahead. You know, I'll speak to history. I'll let Terry talk a little bit about how important it is going to be to our civil litigation. but. Make no mistake about it, this isn't the first act of violence based on race in America. And I regret to say I, I'm not hopeful that we won't see other acts of violence based on race in America. And so, you know, in my home state of Florida, we have people who are advocating not teaching history because they don't want to make people feel bad that their grandparents or parents acted in this manner. But what about the people who have to suffer the torture, the brutality, and the violence? That's why what he did in Top Supermarket should be documented and curated for history to show that this isn't anything to be proud of. You know, right now, some people are trying to say it is a noble calling, this race replacement theory. There's nothing noble about it, nothing humane about it, nothing dignified about it. But if you're 17, 16, and you're on the internet and you're being radicalized and you weren't taught in history that this is evil because somebody said they didn't want to hurt your feelings. Mm -hmm. We will see this happen over and over again. And that's why, as Zanetta said and, and Garnell's granddaughters said, it is so important that we teach history, not for us older people, but for the young people who thoughts are being formulated. Don't you think that these young people are influenced by social media? They're on it every minute. And if you keep telling them it's your duty to go kill people who are going to replace you, and that's you only hear that one side, then nobody could be surprised that they are radicalized. They have to hear all of history. They have to hear about what black people, what Hispanic people, what native people, what Asian people, how they contributed to American society, how it is valued. 
because they can't just be told that they have no value because then it's easier to shoot somebody and kill somebody who you think have no value. But if they're taught from the beginning that we all have value, then hopefully, hopefully, it'll be more difficult for them to go do these senseless acts of violence. That's why I think that history needs to be shared every moment on this matter, um, Terry. There's someone a lot smarter than me once said that sunlight is the greatest disinfectant. And that's what we want to do. There's no other profession other than our profession that has the ability to shine the light on misconduct. We did it with the opioids. We did it with automobiles. We did it with tobacco. We did it with all sorts of things. We have that ability. That's what we're trained to do. And so what our plan is to do is we believe we should be entitled to that information, that we should get it, but we're going to get a lot of it on our own as well. You know, we're going to do that work ourselves. We're going to do that uh, grind work that gets us what we need to move forward with this litigation. We know it's true. We know it's righteous, and we know we're on the right path. And we're going to stay on that path until we shine the light on what happened. Shine the light on who taught him, who told him, who enabled him, who sold him, who did all of those things. We're going to do that in litigation because we're going to get them under oath. Amen. Right? And that's the great equalizer. Amen. Please, Janetta, please. And family members are better to respond to this question. Um, he should be scared. This is why I've said over and over again that I don't believe in the death penalty. Every day of the rest of his life, he should be scared. Mm -hmm. He should be fearful. He should not be able to sleep. He should, he should not have a waking moment where he does not think about what he did. Mm-hmm. Yes, somebody rushed him at him today in the courtroom. But that's the emotion that all of these families feel on the inside. I feel like that every single day. We all feel like that every single day. Mm -hmm. I was happy to see him scared today. He should be able to feel what those families felt that day when he pointed that gun in their faces. That is how he should feel all day, every day. There should never be a moment of his life where he's not feeling scared for his life. Exactly. That's it. Thank you, Zanella. Somebody else? Oh, go ahead. You know, I, I looked at the emotion of two sides. We saw him being rushed, but I don't know if we saw the precursor to that of the sister, Kit's sister, and the emotion that she exhibited. So I feel like when we look at things, we should look at it all the way around. Let's not narrow down what we want to see, which happens a lot of times in the media, I have to say. Let's look at the whole picture. This was a sister who lost a staple in our community. She was an innocent victim, 72 years old, 100 and some pounds. So she had a lot of emotion. The person that got ready to 
rage. He had a lot of emotions. So we have to look at the emotion on both sides. And we have to look at beyond his tears, all of the tears of the people that died slow deaths, of those that were injured, of those that are still crying. So while we're evaluating tears, let's just be um, not biased to where we're only evaluating one side. Yes, I agree, he should feel these emotions. It's very good for him. And, and as I read in the statement from the family, we hope that every second, every minute, every hour, that he is looking and seeing and feeling all of that. That's good for his therapeutic uh, intervention, if you will. And hopefully that will provoke change so nobody else that's following him, because he was just a little tip of the iceberg. There's millions of others that believe like him. They weren't on trial or sentence, but they are. So we hope that those tears and all of the emotion will be evaluated properly because many people in this room cannot sleep. Many people cannot go to a supermarket. That was my tops. I would I will not ever go there. That's riveting. That's emotional. So let's look at all the tears. I, you know, I, w I will say this. Um, hopefully... It is about trying to prevent any tragedy like this from happening again in this manner. And so when I think about whatever relevance to give his, I guess, deliberation as he's sitting there saying, how did I do such a heinous act that we pay attention to exactly what led him to that this white supremacy this somehow tolerating of white supremacy you know a lot of people say i'm not a white supremacist but you're not doing anything to prevent it from happening you're not doing anything to say we won't enable in you know this kind of intolerance and so I think that is the relevance that we share from a academic standpoint and a societal standpoint is look at how these young people are being radicalized and how do we stop it? it any other questions? I'm wondering if you could talk about how, you know, uh, the gun violence side of it is really big. I mean, just this week, yesterday was the five-year anniversary the day before Michigan State, uh, California, Uvalde was 10 days after their, you know, tiny nickels. I mean, there's so many acts of violence and, and, it, and it just, can you talk about, like, I mean, it, 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 I think it's very difficult for people to think something's going to change. You, right? you, you, you know, it, it, I think it's about humanity. We have to start valuing the humanity in each and every one of us. I think if you are a humane person, it's very difficult for you to shoot somebody, for you to blast somebody. You know, I, you, obviously, you look at what happened here in Tops, you look at what happened to Tyree Nichols, and you just think, how can a human being do this type of violence to another human being? And so we have to promote humanity more. Uh, I don't think the young man, the young white supremacist, I, I want to always call him what he is. Mm -hmm. 
recognize the humanity in anybody in that supermarket. Like I don't think they recognize the humanity in Memphis, Tennessee, either, and Tyree Nichols. It's about recognizing the humanity in every human being. You know, sometimes it looks like it's overwhelming and like there's no prospect of being able to accomplish a goal, especially a goal as laudable as trying to stop these mass shootings. But that doesn't mean you don't try. That doesn't mean you keep on trying until you get some progress somewhere, somehow. And that's what we're going to do. That's, this is going to be something. Even if we're able to uncover some misconduct on the online digital platforms or on the sale of guns or the sale of body armor, that just might stop one in the future. And that's what we're going to do. That's the goal. That's the objective. And it's a laudable objective for us to do it because you cannot give up. You can't just throw your hands up and that's say right. it's going to happen. That's it's right. inevitable. That's you can't right. do that. If we don't do it, no one's going to do it. We have these families here who I've come to know. They are advocates. They are vigilant. Yes. They are wonderful, wonderful people. And I'm going to give you an example right here from this community where we did it. When Flight 3407 crashed, no one thought that they could make changes against the big, powerful airline industry. And those people, they banded together, they stayed on it, they lobbied, they were aggressive, they wouldn't take no for an answer, and all of a sudden this changed. The entire requirements of pilots and their, and their instructions and their hours, all of that changed. And I can't help but believe that that saved a life somewhere, somehow. And that's what we're going to do. Hearing so many from the family members today go up and tell Peyton Gendra and tell the judge that they aren't advocating for the death penalty, that they are advocating for life in prison. Everyone's going to get their say to the federal judge, but was that a purposeful message to a federal court today, or was that just something that people wanted to say as they went up to school? That's their feelings. Yeah, it's their feelings, and, and as I say it to all our clients, man, you say whatever's on your heart. I, whatever you feel, I, this is no time to try to lawyer or counsel. No, you tell people how you feel. That was your mother. That was your father. You tell them, I can't even fathom. I, I have so much respect for them being able to even go up and talk because that's what we need to do. You need to put yourself in their shoes. If this was your mother, if this was your father, what would you have said? And what would you want a federal court to hear? I mean, you you know you can't get your loved one back, but as Attorney Connor said, you're doing everything in your power to be a spark of light, to make some change. And so I think the federal court hopefully heard these families uh, because we don't know what's going to happen between the federal prosecutors and the defense lawyers. But a lot of people, because our reality in America, if this would have been a different fact pattern, and you had a young black man go kill white people in a supermarket, yeah, it, nobody would question that he was going to get the death penalty. So, so before we break up, I just, I just want to share some positive news with you before we break up. Um, in Miami, Florida, they just named a law school after Benjamin L. Crump. 
<laughs> that doesn't happen very often. That doesn't happen very often. So that, that's the quality of our team. <laughs> I love you, Terry. <laughs> I'll tell you one thing Terry said, too, that really inspired me just a few moments ago. We can never give up. We can right. never that's give right. up. Um, we're talking about Black History Month. You know, for a long time in America, people never thought slavery would end. But there were people like these families who never gave up on having a better world for their children in the future. A lot of people said segregation would never end in America, but people never gave up. We can defeat white supremacy too. We have a precedent. When Terry said law school, it made me think about what we teach young people in first year law school about the value of precedent. And the precedent in America is that we will overcome these racism, bigotry, and discrimination. We overcame it back then, and on the legacy of your families, we will overcome it today. Just one last question, if you don't mind. When, when the defense alludes to the gun companies and when the defense alludes to the social media platforms, is that something legally a civil judge can take into account? Does that help build the civil case? You mean, you mean when the defendant made those statements about the influence and, uh, yeah. Yeah, there's no question that yeah. that when I heard those words, you know, I was sitting next to Eviel and I I elbowed her because I wasn't expecting that. I was expecting some sort of a lame apology, but to hear that it fits exactly in with our theory. So it helps us, but we have to find how to put that into admissible form in our litigation, and we'll do that. And we'll do that. We'll do that. Thank you all that. And it's so deep, Terry, because we talked about law school just a minute ago. When they're teaching you about uh, murder convictions and so forth, so many times it's so difficult is because how can you get into, uh, how can you know what's inside somebody's mind, what their mental thoughts are? Well, he articulated it. Yeah. And so when we go yeah. to the civil trial and they start trying to say, Oh, well, we don't know what motivated him. No, That's he told right. us exactly what motivated mm -hmm. him. That's mm -hmm. why we got the transcript. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Thank you. Thank you all. Thank you. And thank you to the families, too. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. 
Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 